Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to STEM Unplugged, a monthly podcast designed to help you learn about STEM initiatives and advance STEM awareness. I'm your host of the show, Kelly Green, the Chief Operations Officer of SciTech Institute, a collaborative nonprofit organization making STEM connections in Arizona and beyond. Online, I also have my co-host, Arizona Chief Science Officer of the Year, Valentina. Hi, everyone. In this episode of STEM Unplugged, we will be exploring career paths to advanced manufacturing jobs. Today, our guests will explore career pathways to advanced manufacturing jobs and the role we play in aligning education and training to the needs of employers and job seekers. Let's meet our guests. Welcome Linda Daly from A to Z Manufacturing Magazine and Tom Saxon, who runs the Advanced Manufacturing CTE program at Westwood High School in Mesa. Also, shout out to Jan from Mesa Schools, uh, who works in their CTE office. It's great to have you on. And thank welcome you. to Sam Unplugged. Yes, definitely good to have you both. And thank you, Valentina, for co-hosting with me tonight. So, Linda, the A to Z manufacturing magazines were launched in 90, 1994. Can you tell us a little bit more about your role and more about the goals of the magazine? Yes. Um, I purchased the magazine in 2005 after working in large corporations for pretty much my entire um, business career, from AT&T to Intel, Motorola, companies like that. And I made a decision that I wanted to uh, do something on my own. So I purchased the, it was at the time it was called A to Z uh, Metalworker Magazine. And once I purchased it and, and ran with it for a year or two, I determined that metalworking was too, um, was too limiting. And I wanted the magazine to be more about manufacturing overall, highly focused on precision manufacturing. So the magazines are entering their or finishing up their 26th year and 15 years under my my ownership. Wow, that's awesome. And we've expanded those magazines to other territories. So we've got one for the Rocky Mountain states, um, the, the West Coast, and for the Southwest. Congratulations. Wow. I love that your career path had a variety of opportunities, including AT&T, Belcor, Motorola, and Intel. And we want to highlight these opportunities for all listeners. Uh, you can lead a, a successful career in manufacturing. So could you share one highlight of your journey in STEM? You know, I would say probably owning the magazine was, was, has been the most rewarding from a STEM perspective and from an overall, you know, enlightening perspective. What, what I meet on a data, daily basis are uh, manufacturing owners and general managers who are making um, incredible parts for aerospace, for defense, for, um, for medical equipment, um, for semiconductor. And the, t- the skills that are needed in those jobs um, are, are directly correlate to, to the STEM field. And so the, posi- the, the jobs that the people hold who I get to interview on a regular basis um, are high-paying, uh, rewarding jobs where they're making parts and they're making them in the United States. And that's a great thing. Oh, I hear that, especially I'm about to introduce Tom. And, you know, we both served in defense. You know, I was in the Army and Tom was in the Air Force. And 
you know, we want to give you a shout out to Tom as an educator during this crazy year, I guess, crazy two years, but um, definitely want to highlight your work as the engineering and manufacturing instructor at Westwood High School in Mesa. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you arrived in Arizona and then, of course, highlight time spent in the Air Force? Sure. I, I came to Arizona actually through the Air Force. I was a commander of a flight test unit that uh, worked with Boeing. Boeing was a contractor, and we did an avionics modification program for uh, essentially all the T-38 airplanes that uh, the Air Force and the Navy owned. And I retired after that and did a short, uh, well, not short, about 10 years, I guess, uh, as uh, practicing as an engineer. I was my uh, undergraduate and uh, basically a construction executive. So I worked in a at a company that actually would produce uh, electrical components. Uh, and then I also did heavy industrial electrical work. Uh, and I've been involved in robotics since my son was, uh, or both my kids were in grade school. And that kind of led me down the path to get involved with school. And I coached his high school robotics team. And that led me into education. So kind of a circuitous route from a farm in the middle of Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, and so I that's, know that's what I do now. I know everybody cannot see your background, but your classroom is not like most. So I know, really, um, Valentina is going to ask a couple more questions about the elective that you teach. But what a cool classroom! We got to take a little virtual tour before we started the show. But um, welcome, thank you, Tom. Thanks. Yes, it's very exciting how you enjoy mentoring. Uh, it plays such a crucial role in the development and decision making for many youth including our chief science officers, as I'm sure it did for your robotics team over the years. So what makes precision manufacturing a great choice as an elective for any student interested in STEM? Well, I think the, the neatest thing about precision manufacturing uh, and engineering, and I really don't divorce the two because they're so closely related, is it's just a hands-on application of science. And sometimes we look at science and STEM and math as drudgery and bookwork and problem solving. And really what it is, is it's the, the higher level as a practicing engineer is applying this stuff and solving real problems, making real things. And precision manufacturing takes everything from material science to physics, to math, metrology, and it brings them all together. And at the end of the day, you make something. The machines take it to another level because we're really teaching automation in precision manufacturing. And that's uh, kind of a something that's not always recognized by the students. Initially, they think manufacturing, they think about like making holes in something in a factory floor. And really what it is, is a lot of automation, a lot of very highly skilled, highly technical jobs. And precision manufacturing is a huge array of career opportunities. Everything from going off and being an engineer, and I've got students who are in graduate school, uh, in engineering, medical field, all the way to kids who uh, go right out and go right to work. But the common thing with all of them is they like making things. Uh, they're creative yeah. <laughs> uh, and they're driven and they're intelligent. So I think it's a great opportunity for almost anybody interested in any of the STEM fields manufacturing is. Yeah, I yeah. think that. Yeah, for sure. And it's definitely very interesting uh, applying the different STEM concepts to everyday life and uh, seeing how that you can use them, utilize them. Yeah, I think it's important that, you know, this is why we have STEM Unplugged, our radio show, is that we really want to engage not only students, but also those in transition, right? Maybe in their late 20s, early 30s, even myself, right? In my mid-40s thinking, hmm, what could, what else could I do? Because the retirement age is a little bit later. Um, people are not doing the same career for 20 years nowadays. They're definitely changing their path and finding 
passion and meaningful um, opportunities. So here in Arizona, obviously, the manufacturing opportunities are almost endless. I've noticed um, a variety of the companies you lent to at Linda. Maybe you can talk a little bit about who you've been able to talk to, not just here in Arizona, but like you talked about semiconductor industry. It's pretty big here. You, were you here at Motorola in Arizona? Have you been in no, Arizona? No, I was I was with uh, Motorola in Fort Worth. I was with Intel here in okay. Arizona. Yeah, so there's a lot of opportunities. Can you highlight some of those that you've been able to chit-chat or open the eyes of others to the possibilities here in Arizona in the precision manufacturing opportunities? Well, so what I think is, you know, we've we've displaced a very large percentage of the population in the United States due to COVID. And some of those positions waiters, waitresses, um, ser- service industry positions in the, in the um, in hotels and hotel management, some of those jobs are gone and will not be coming back right. in the, in the numbers that, you know, that they were here, especially in Arizona as a, as a tourist um, state. And so if we could help people at this time, especially more than ever to understand just how rewarding these STEM positions could be for them. And they're not all manual labor by any means. There's CAD, there's CAM, there's software. There's so many aspects. Wait, wait, wait. You have to go back. We don't know what CAT. I do know what computer-aided drafting is, but you just, you kind of gave us some slang there. What is the advanced manufacturing CAD and CAM? I know computer-aided drafting. They had that when I was in high school, but what's CAM? And CAM, uh, Tom, computer... Aided manufacturing. I was going to guess right. that, but I didn't right. want to be wrong. <laughs> right, right. So, yep. so these these software packages that help people to make parts better, faster, more precisely, um, they they off all of this offers an opportunity for people. And and I love that you mentioned that you don't have to be eighteen or twenty or twenty two to 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 think about getting into into this field. It's a great field to move into at this time in anyone's lives. And lucrative too, right? There are some really cool opportunities, even if you have no idea what you're doing. Tom alluded to this. You could walk into the entry-level job and learn the skill and promote rather quickly because there's such a need for precision manufacturing. So I think, Tom, maybe you could highlight some of the cool things your students have been not only doing in your classroom and why they're successful, but really that whole idea of making, but not like Linda said, she's not just, you know, the hard labor, but precision, the skills that they're learning. Yeah, and, and I think uh, we we do that. And, and our segue at, at Westwood is directly with MCC because we offer uh, dual enrollment through MCC. And then I'm an adjunct for MCC also. So oh, that's awesome. a kid can go and take our classes and move right into uh, the Maricopa Community College system uh, and go get either certificates or work on degrees and ultimately move through uh, formal education, you know, four, five, six, seven years of that, depending on what they want, uh, or go out in the workforce. Entry-level positions in precision manufacturing, I will tell you my experience here is there's far more demand from employers than there are students that I graduate out. And these are not, these people are not going off to work for bad companies. Um, You know, companies like Empire Cat, Transmatic, uh, really high quality, high benefit jobs uh, for kids, essentially, who go out and they help them uh, further their education through apprenticeship programs uh, and and, 
things like that and internal promotion. So lots of opportunities to move up. And like I said, it's really about automation. Uh, that's where everything is moving to. So that's where I also teach robotics. That ties in directly uh, for kids also to get involved in a whole array of STEM activities. That's awesome. You mentioned a little bit of the collaboration. I know, Valentina, as a student, you would really like to highlight that being an eighth grader and having those collaboration opportunities with real life STEM professionals in real careers really makes a difference on your awareness and finding out, is this really for me? What are your thoughts? Yeah, for sure. I think it's very exciting as a student to be able to explore all these different career pathways, getting an insight on all the different opportunities that there are out there. So it's definitely very exciting getting to, um, getting to meet these STEM professionals and getting to learn about the different opportunities out there. And we talked a little bit about, obviously, the opportunities here in Arizona because we are based here. Our nonprofit serves Arizona as the STEM learning ecosystem. But we also know that some of these companies are nationwide or worldwide. So, you know, how do you feel this advanced manufacturing is starting to not only evolve in general, but obviously, Tom, your classroom speaks for itself. It's, you know, a great opportunity here for students to have your elective. But to both of you, right, what is evolving in Arizona and how can we and our listeners really play a role of highlighting the opportunities in precision manufacturing? Well, I'll, I'll uh, take a little bit about that. And, and uh, one thing in manufacturing, common misperception, like I mentioned, is it's kind of like it's factory work. And, and we saw a great export of what we used to term as classical manufacturing off overseas. And those were high labor intensity, low value added activities. And that's not really what precision manufacturing is or manufacturing in Arizona is. Manufacturing in Arizona is much more high tech. From that perspective, I look at this as really a great opportunity for kids to you know, grow in a career because I don't know about any of you, but when I was riding my bicycle around a farm in Minnesota, I had no idea I could go off and be a pilot and an engineer and do all these different things I've done. So I look at breadth and ability to grow for a student. Uh, That's what I think. That's how it's changed. And manufacturing offers a really wide pathway for kids to grow into. Uh, Maybe they don't want to go to college right now, but maybe in three or four years, that's something that's on the book. So I know folks who started out as machine operators who went off to get manufacturing degrees, advanced degrees, lead companies now. That's the kind of growth and potential, I think, that is worth investing in for kids and why I think it's a good career field for kids. I agree. Linda, any thoughts? Yeah. Um, you know, when I, when I go in and I meet with business owners who have shops that have 50, 50 employees or a hundred employees or 10 employees, in some cases, these are people who didn't make the decision to go to college and they either started up the business or they inherited it from their family. And, um, and what you can see is that people can really do very well if, in fact, they decide that college, formal college isn't the right thing for them. Um, I, I think that what we find with some of these um, owners is that they are very strong in a STEM, traditional STEM types of um, aptitude. And perhaps they benefit from going back to school while, while they're owning their company to learn business skills. So they couple the business skills with their natural acumen for the maths and science sciences, and they can be extremely, extremely successful. 
I also want to just, if I could mention something about automation, um, moving into automation a little bit. There's never been a more important time than, than today with COVID and pandemic for companies to address the need for automation. Number one, it provides some social distancing that makes employees feel more comfortable because they're not as close to, in proximity to one another. And it also, if we're planning to bring manufacturing of critical critical end products back into the United States, where our labor costs are always going to be higher than, than in many other countries, the only way we can compete and compete very successfully is through automation. And so I think, you know, business owners who are looking very closely at increasing automation within their manufacturing plants um, have a much higher likelihood of, of continued success. I agree. I think you made a really great point that, you know, business owners that didn't necessarily go for that four-year degree, but um, are looking back and maybe getting that business degree now and really taking shape of the next role or next level for their company is important because what I'm trying to teach the CSOs is that, you know, Valentina in eighth grade, understand that it doesn't have to be a direct path. Like Tom said, get out there, try it. And then eventually you decide, oh, I do want to be an engineer, but what kind? If you have that on-the-job training and that experience, it often leads you to understand not only yourself, but your abilities, right? The idea that, can I work in a group? Do I like to take orders? Obviously, I learned that in the military really quick that if you just do what you're told, <laughs> it, you'll probably be more successful. But for a lot of the students, and Valentina, you can let me know, because you're at a high-performing school, you're in basis, and the idea that you're expectation levels, not only as a student, but then as a CSO to be a STEM ambassador for your school, for your community, for the other CSOs around our global network. The expectations I feel are a little bit higher than like Tom, when I was riding my bike around the farm in Western New York thinking, I had no idea. I didn't even know the Air Force was an option. I had to join the Army because that's the only recruiter that was nearby. (laughs) But Valentino, what are your thoughts about your level of expectation to find success or go to college or, you know, what are the demands on you as a student these days? Well, I really like uh, how you mentioned, like, being able to get, when, uh, going to a two-year college and then uh, going soon into the workforce, being able to get that hands-on experience and kind of explore your interests, uh, not necessarily always going to the traditional four-year school, testing out your different interests definitely helps to decide on what you eventually want to have as your final career path. Yeah, I think parents probably play a big role in that. So if I could go back to Tom and Linda, who were some of the major influencers of your life, you know, at not only as a child, but along the career path, maybe some mentors, people that really kind of played that defining role to A, keep you motivated to find success, and it could even be yourself. But why is that so important along the way for not only youth to have mentorship, but business professionals, CEOs, uh, myself, I'm even seeking mentorship from our board members, those kinds of things as individuals. Why is mentorship important? I'll let Tom take it first. You can't be what you don't see. Uh, so if you don't know what the opportunities are, as humans, we kind of limit our vision most humans do, to what we're familiar with. Uh, So it's really important for kids who uh, don't necessarily have a background where they know an engineer, know somebody who works in manufacturing, know somebody in STEM to be able to see somebody in STEM and then project themselves into that role. Because sometimes we look at things like engineering or 
even making a part and go, man, that looks complicated. I don't think I can do that. And nothing could be further from the truth. Right. I had a friend uh, who was a commander of mine in the Air Force, actually, who would uh, tell everybody that everybody gets up and puts their pants on one leg at a time in the morning. That <laughs> Superman doesn't exist. Just get up to your best, come back another day, uh, and, and you'll do fine. I think that's really an important message for our kids to see. And then also the mentorship or just the role model and saying, here is a pathway. And here's the end result, if you're interested in it. And here's a couple branches off, because I think in education, sometimes we we tend to assume that kids have a lot more of a linear path than they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know any adults, honestly, who are where they envision. Well, I know very few who are where, exactly where they envisioned when they were 14 or 15. It's right. just too many variables. We don't know what the world holds. Right. So that that's, to me, what mentorship is, is giving them pathways, showing them a, a way. And what, that's why it's important. I think that um, particularly in the STEM disciplines, if you will, you'll encounter many people who are really high performing at those technical skills. And perhaps what they, they are not as strong at would be managing skills or written skills. When I look towards mentors in our field, I see, I see managers or business owners who are helping individuals who are high performing at their skill to become better either managers or better at communicating with customers, better at those kind of what we call soft skills that will allow them to, to move up. It, it's, there aren't that many companies that I've been to or that I've worked for that have a strong career path that just allows you to, to stay technical and, and move up high into the corporation. So knowing that, and, and some, some companies are doing that, but knowing that if you, have a, if you aspire to do something to, to really move up, you've got to gain those, those, those other soft skills. So I've had mentors during my career at Intel, at AT&T, probably at AT&T, where I first started out of college more than anywhere else, where you know, I, I view the world as black and white and you know, everybody should want to work as hard as I did coming out of college. And my, my, my manager told me that that's not what everybody does. Some people, some people like to work just to make the money to, to take home to their family. And you have to, you have to understand that there are different expectations across, across a team that you build if, you know, if if it comes to that. Yeah. And having that varied skill set is definitely very valuable. Yeah, I agree. I think you hit the nail on the head when you talk about soft skills because, you know, being able to even participate in this conversation on the radio show, some people are nervous about, you know, oh, it's the radio show, but then formulating it into a conversation and being comfortable to talk about what you enjoy and then being able to share it with others is important. And, you know, the fact that we invited you to talk about precision manufacturing, we're really kind of trying to change the stigma because obviously as a female and there's two other females on the call, Tom, looking to you as an educator, how do you open the door for young women that want to pursue the opportunities in STEM, specifically precision manufacturing in a male-dominated workforce? Uh, well, I, I would take it even a step further because we are uh, a, uh, largely a minority school. And I think that that problem is spread again by you can't be what you don't see. Yeah. So I, I take every opportunity I can to get folks in here to speak like through uh, Educator Pro Connect with the Maricopa, Maricopa uh, superintendent to get guest speakers in, to bring them in. And then young people too, like young women Folks from the career fields, like I had a civil engineer who said, I wasn't a very good high school student. I struggled. 
didn't mean he couldn't be a civil engineer. It just meant that he had to go to tutoring at ASU. So I think the important thing to get young women involved uh, more is to show them role models uh, and mentors in the career field themselves and let them know that they can have a life or envision a life for themselves in it. And the second thing is to be sure that we don't, uh, we we put in place programs that help kids from self-eliminating, making choices early in their educational pathway that take them off the ability. So I kind of view the whole education experience for any student as kind of like a tree with a bunch of branches and you got to stay in the main trunk before you find the branch that you want. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think it's really interesting while COVID has had many negative impacts, I think there's really been some interesting <sighs> feedback about the students who are excelling in the hybrid or virtual setting, right? So the opportunity for students to stay in the trunk, really kind of figure it out, not have to make a decision like Valentina by eighth grade that, you know, I'm, I'm college bound, what am I going to do? I I look back, man, I didn't know at 17 and I graduated and I thought, well, the army is definitely where I'm going because my sisters went, but I also want a degree, but I don't know what in. So really, Tom, I commend you for putting the opportunities in front of students because I didn't mention I taught sixth grade math before I took this job and coming out of the army, having served in combat as a female gunner. My sixth grade boys didn't really mess with me too much because they were like, wow, but I don't like math. And I'm like, you're going to like math because it's important. You don't have to like algebra, but I want you to add, subtract, multiply, and divide. And I think really showing them that it doesn't have to be all decided by high school graduation is really important because, Linda, you now have had this amazing opportunity, differentiated career that led you to something you feel passionate about in really owning this magazine and showcasing all of those. What are your thoughts about females in the workforce? Well, COVID's having a a little bit of an unfortunate impact on women in the workforce um, today, I read, uh, where women are traditionally the ones who take care of children. And if they're not able to, if if they don't have resources to, to help the kids who are in school at home or young children, then it's more likely the woman who's stepping out of the workforce. And so, you know, there's going to be a lasting impact of of that, at least from COVID um, that's happening now. But Valentina, you're a role. You are a role model to young women, um, you know. And I hope that you stay a role model as you move into high school, because so often women, young young girls, believe they're not good at math, they're not good at science, and you know, uh, it, it, I think still in in a traditional household, um, dad is is helping uh, sons to learn, you know, how to work on a car or you know, work on something and not inviting uh, daughters to do so. So, so people like Valentina never re- really even think of themselves as being a really good candidate for that. So, how, you know, what do I what do I recommend? It, to Tom's point, keep the women on that main you know tree longer. Somehow find a way. And and I don't know if it means you know taking taking a machine and and machining parts that might be more fun for uh, a female population or doing something like specifically looking at how would girls or young women um, be, be um, 
enlightened by working on a Haas machine? What would what would get them going? And so, if you get them in, if you if you get them in and you you get them into the robotics, um, you've set them up to to have a love early on for science and math, and hopefully that stays with them. Yeah, Valentina, do you have any thoughts about? What's kept you motivated? And I know the Chief Science Officers Program has been a great pathway for you to meet not only other students that love STEM, but I'd like to hear what got you motivated, you know, early on. Yeah, for sure. So as Tom mentioned, having that role model, someone to look up to, uh, definitely inspires you uh, to get interested in different areas. So I think through the Chief Science Officer Program, I've gotten to meet many STEM professionals who have inspired me to explore different career pathways. I remember uh, throughout the pandemic, we've had different uh, Zoom in on science calls. So just different Zoom calls where we interact with uh, STEM professionals. And uh, we've had uh, astronauts and uh, all these different people in different career pathways. And it's been very inspiring exploring all these different areas of interest. Yeah. And she doesn't give herself enough credit, right? So being CSO of the year and really representing, like Linda said, you are a role model. And there are so many students, not just here in Arizona, but when you travel to Sonora to teach in Sonora, they all want to be like you. And it's so stunning when people learn that you're an only an eighth grader and they're like, wait, what? (laughs) And we have that reaction a lot of the times. And Linda brought it up, those soft skills, right? So what are some of your things you've learned um, from participating in the program and you know, like those soft skills? What are some of those key things you've learned? Uh, I definitely think collaborating and working in a team, also public speaking and standing in front of a crowd, being able to voice my opinions and uh, represent uh, my peers. Yeah, and it's important. So I want to move into the next tough question for both Linda, Tom, and even Valentina. Is the education system really aligned to prepare our next workforce? And I know that's kind of a challenging question, especially in the time we're in, right? The the COVID impact is serious and it's not going away in the 15 days we had originally hoped or expected, but is it aligned as much as it could be? Or what could those listening or those that we hope to talk to in the future do, not only as industry partners, organizations, partners, collaborators, help to help align the education system to the future workforce needs? I know it's kind of a tough one, but (laughs) Tom, any thoughts? A lot of industry partners do help. Uh, They do contribute into programs like mine. But, you know, the precision manufacturing program, as you saw in my lab, it's expensive and it's it's a hard thing to teach at a high school level. It doesn't fit into the traditional put 30 kids in a room in desks and read out of a book. Uh, so the class sizes are smaller, the equipment is more expensive. So support is one thing, and we do have quite a few federal programs that help us with that support. Uh, but I also think that industry, and from my experience, evolves faster than education evolves sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, much closer integration with industry on the education needs would bring about a better end product. And when we look at like a product, I don't want to treat like kids coming out of a program or adults as products. Uh, they're really the customers also. So the students and the, the people who are going to employ them uh, so that we basically align expectations a little closer. That, that would be my biggest pitch is probably a faster or more frequent alignment to what 
uh, industry needs. And if you look at precision manufacturing, there's not that many programs throughout the valley. Uh, there's not that many in the state compared to the GDP in the state in manufacturing and the number of people employed. There's quite a mismatch there. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't know how we fix that. So I think, I, I think though, that's where my program doesn't necessarily align with what the industry needs. There's no way we produce enough people yeah. to keep manufacturing viable in Arizona. I think it's important too to realize that you came from you weren't out of school went straight into teaching. So I think yeah. you're not a classically trained teacher either. So the education preparation programs, you know, for myself as well, when I became a teacher, I was classically trained as a teacher, but I had my military background. So going into the classroom and understanding what students need now and what they're going to need in three years, that's going to change. Like you said, it evolves so much quicker on the industry side, right? In the civilian world that the students and the teachers and the curriculum are not really keeping up. So I agree that partnership with classrooms and really integrating of what's happening, not just, hey, honey, do your homework, but actually professionals saying, why are you doing that? homework. <laughs> um, is it aligned? Is it really making sense? But Linda, what are, do you have any thoughts on that topic? Well, you know, I'm going to be a devil's advocate. I, uh, my, my two, my son and daughter went to, co- to uh, all through school here in Arizona um, in the East Valley. Uh, Desert Vista High School was their high school. And Oh my goodness, actually, that's a beautiful I, school. <laughs> I feel like they got a great education. So I, I do tend to think that overall, um, if you've got parents uh, who are, you know, pushing their children and you have good, great teachers that our education system is pretty darn good here. My son is a chemical engineer and he did one semester over in Australia. When he went over there, he said the, the teaching, the school was so much easier than, now that's college, but then what, what he was experiencing back here in the States. So again, I do f- feel that we've got some, some really good um, educational programs. Uh, to Tom's point, though, when, when I grew up, everybody had an opportunity to, to go to, to, attend, you know, to, to take as an elective a shop class or a drafting class or things like that that would help them to, to determine that they liked, you know, that they were, they were gifted or, or talented at something like that. Today, here in Arizona, we've got what, I guess, EVID, right? East Valley Institute of Technology in the East Valley. And that's a funnel program for, if I'm correct, Tom, maybe uh, correct me, Chandler, Mesa, Tempe. Kids have to actually be bused half day over to the East Valley Institute of Technology. And I, I don't know if West Mech is the equivalent of that, yeah. Uh, but it's not convenient. And, and so, so that makes it's, it's not available for all going back to Tom's point also though, about, you know, the investment of CNC equipment and equipment that's in his, um, in his lab. Uh, so a lot of, you know, when I interview people and I interview a lot of business owners, um, maybe five each, each issue. So, you know, it's, it's several hundred every, every year. Um, often I'll hear from them that they wish the young people coming up actually learned more of traditional machining. And by that, I mean manual machining where they had to, you know, they basically had to learn how to, that ifs and hows and all of that um, before they'd step into CNC machining and the automation. Because the, the, the old term of journeyman machinist was someone who, 
you know, learned a craft over a period of years. And you don't get that by just jumping on a Haas machine, Haas CNC and, and getting started that way. So I, I, I don't know that we have to expect that technology is going to change in Tom's lab every time it's, you know, it, it's, it changes in, in, in the workplace. I think that's a good point. I remember that show. It's probably still out there, but how is how it's made? I yeah. think really, you know, tinkering is something that I hope it's not lost because I was that farm girl that would was allowed to tinker on certain things. You know, the lawnmower almost never worked, but the idea of <laughs> I knew how to put my own bike chain on and I was required to do it myself because nobody <laughs> my parents were like, if you want to ride it, you fix it. And so the the idea of tinkering and understanding the STEM opportunities that are provided now, getting back to the basics, but weaving it into the education opportunities. So after teaching sixth grade math, I taught seventh grade STEM for just one year. And the idea that there was this whole class for our seventh graders that they could tinker and I could literally let them make projects all the time and give some direction, but really learning the engineering design process and, you know, did it work? Okay, let me fix this. Let me try that. And kind of keeping track of um, their prototypes. But, you know, Valentina, again, I'm going to bring it back to you as a student these days. Do you feel like you're prepared? And what what do you wish or what do you hope the education system provides you as a student? I think um, having the education system provide more of these opportunities to tinker, as you mentioned, it, it would definitely make, make it feel more hands-on. So having more of those hands-on opportunities would make it more engaging. Yeah. I, and that's, again, tough in this time. But to both Tom and Linda, it's really nice to have had your perspective on the call because you represent two different parts of precision manufacturing, but it's important that we really highlight what's happening here in Arizona. So to our listeners, we definitely encourage you to get involved in the STEM community. Maybe you're an industry professional seeking ways to make an impact, a student searching for a mentor, or a community collaborator hoping to meet the right people to help make it happen. So Linda, what's one way they can contact you and any final words of advice for our listeners? Um, there are programs out there. I, I actually sit on a board for the Arizona, it's called AZPMAP, which is the Arizona Precision Manufacturing Apprenticeship Program. And while monies have kind of dried up at this point, at this time, we've gotten grants in the past, which would enable people like Valentina when she hits high school to be able to, to work part-time and attend college paid for through the program and gain certificates for NIMS, called NIMS, and I don't know exactly what it stands for, (laughs) um, National Institute. um, Something like that. But anyway, there are programs out there and there are monies out there to help people, but what, but they have to, you know, we have to make them more available. Right. I'd say, um, you know, you can go to my website, you can call me, my magazine is, is online and all of my contact information is there. So anyone is welcome to reach out, go, just going to a to Z manufacturing.com. But also there's things like MEP, 
that stands for Manufacturing Extension Partnership. And that's a government program that has a, a local um, or a regional um, organization in every state of the United States. And uh, I've been on the board of that in the past, but MEP has monies also from, from the government for specifically for uh, STEM, STEM funded activities. Checking into that, checking into some of the training programs that they offer um, would be a great start. Uh, Valentina, um, the apprenticeship program, if you're still excited about this in you know three or four years, that would be something I would highly encourage you to do. That's awesome. Thank you, Linda. Yeah, I'll be sure to look into that. Tom, what about you? How can people get in touch if they want to learn more or visit your shop or be a STEM professional? And then any final words of wisdom? If you just go to our uh, school website, uh, that's uh, www.mpsaz.org slash Westwood, you'll find our CTE program. You'll find my link in a lot of descriptions about what we do here. Arizona is an open enrollment state, so if you're out of our district boundaries, uh, you certainly have the option to go anywhere. Uh, There's other programs around also, as you mentioned, at the the JTEDS. But I think the engineering and uh, manufacturing programs and robotics programs at a high school level are a great way for a kid to, to get involved and then see what they're interested in. So I really encourage kids to take those electives uh, and explore it. And my best advice to anyone is I've always liked creating things. I've always found the most interesting people are creators, whether it's music, art, metal, robots, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's fun. Uh, It's engaging and it's enveloping and you can choose a life path that's really enriching in that career field. That's incredible. Yeah. So, Valentina, I don't know if you heard what I just heard, but I think both Linda and Tom should be CSO mentors and talk to our students. What are your thoughts? Yeah, for sure. Well, I want to thank you. Happy to. Yay. (laughs) I want to thank you both for joining us for this episode of STEM Unplugged, exploring career paths to advance manufacturing jobs. We appreciate both Tom and Linda for being guests on our show. And if you'd like more information, go ahead and contact us at SciTechInstitute.org. This is your host, Kelly Green, and we would be glad to discuss how you can get connected. (music) 